and welcome to this week's episode of Tour Ireland Outdoors podcast. In this episode, we caught up with Sandra Patterson from Mealmore Lodge, which is described as a hillwalker's paradise in the heart of the Mourns, and that is very accurate. It, it feels like an oasis to me when you get to Mealmore Lodge, especially if you've come from a long walk. It's situated just beside the Trassy Track, and when you go through Mealmore Lodge, you you know you head right out onto the mountains, and um, it's just a fantastic place. Um, it's got to be seen to be believed. Check out the MealmoreLodge.co.uk for more. Um, I think believe they also have um, Facebook. We'll have all the links in the bio as usual. Um, so here's Sandra and Philip having a chat up at the Hares Gap Bistro about a place which for a lot of people is a holiday but for Sandra it's her home and you get the feeling that it feels to her like it is a holiday so it's a rare thing whenever people are able to feel like they're on holiday at home Um, so that was a beautiful thing and uh, you do get a sense that there's a love for their area up there Um, always have done for years felt that so without further ado Sandra Patterson from Mealmore Lodge enjoy hello welcome to the Tour Ireland Outdoor podcast we're here with Sandra Patterson from Mealmore Lodge and she's going to give us a little bit of background into the accommodation end of touring Ireland outdoors Okay, this year is actually the 20th anniversary of the first opening this place. Yeah, it started in 2001. The start of July 2001 is when it first opened. Yeah, oh. a wee small coffee shop. Um, it was really, the whole place started. Um, so down the road we have the Chassis car park, it has the Chassis track going up the mountains. That was the main entrance point for most of the walkers come onto the mountains but um, the car park was too small and lots of cars were parking along the road and uh, my dad is a farmer he, um, with the animals, the sheep and the cows he also plants potatoes and a lot of our potato ground was away down next to Patrick direction so to get try to get a, a potato harvester and all the equipment down the road and tractors when there's cars parked along the side of the road, was a nightmare. Um, so we mainly did it to take the excess cars off the side of the road to give them somewhere else to stay. Um, so that's how it started. It started as a car park, and uh, then actually we had the toilets, and there was a wee like the bistro, the coffee shop was actually an afterthought. The man who was building the building thought, oh, this would be a great spot for a wee coffee shop. And that's how that came to be. Um, the accommodation actually started before that. The original house in the, what is the hostel now, it used to be a holiday house. Mum used to let it out to um, like different groups for walking and that, uh, like years, years back. Um, so the hostel actually, it, there was more people asking us for places to stay than the hostel came into it. Uh, we thought, you know, we'll try and get more people. Yeah. Instead of just letting it out to one person, we can let it out, you know, upstairs, there's ensuite rooms 
downstairs of the dormitory, so one big group can book it as a whole, or um, like different families can book an individual room. And what numbers can you cater for now? In the hostel building, we can take 28 people oh. that sleeps 28 people. Okay. Then we also have the wee, um, the small cottage, which is called the wee house, it sleeps two. And the cabin, yes, then the campsite started too. Um, it just started as a wee small thing, uh, mainly for Duke of Edinburgh groups. And then more people kind of got to know it, about it. And then the general public wanted to stay. And then it, uh, it just blew up from there. I remember camping just over there. Really? The before it. Yeah. Old, it's just a toilet block. I think That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just the camping and the... Just the, the cabin and the, the two houses there for the accommodation. Okay. And then the, the bistro. Um, and the car park. Yeah, that's it. And then you cater for, we're in here in Harris Gap Bistro, so you cater for all your groups here when they stay with you? Well, the house is self-sufficient. They oh, can, okay. it is self-catering. Self-catering. So they have a fully equipped kitchen there. Okay. Um, but a lot of people would come in here for breakfast. Yeah. If they want, yeah. And but we don't do dinners, but we would, we would cook the breakfast for them. Yeah. Just to give people a kind of a, an idea where we are, we're at what I would call the entrance to Hare's Gap, which is one of the more better known walking entrance into the Morns. Um, it's the end of the Brandy Pad, isn't that right? That's right, yes. Yeah. An old smuggling route that when they used to hijack the boats going to the Isle of Man and, and smuggle the brandy across. Across through the morning. Yeah, so that's the, uh, the other end of the Harris Gap, or the other end of the Brandy Pad goes from, like from the Harris Gap. The other end starts over at the Bloody Bridge. Bloody Bridge, that's right. Yeah, in Newcastle. It's about yeah. it's about a nine mile, sort of thirteen fourteen kilometer walk. Beautiful walk through the through the mountains. Yeah. It doesn't go over any major peaks, but it goes around most of them. So a lot of people use it and then maybe deviate if they want to do one of the like Steve Donard or Comeda or. Sleep Burna or the Devil's Bite as it's known yeah. locally. It's yeah. probably my favourite walk in the mornings here. It's, it's a tough one. Uh. But uh, I don't know if you'd be, you'd be aware, Tommy, or any of the listeners, that uh, hiking in Northern Ireland and, and actually right across the island of Ireland is entry to the mountains is solely dependent on landowners and the granting of landowners' access to, to the mountains, unlike in, in, in Britain, where there's freedom to roam, um, acts and, and land ownership. In, on the island of Ireland, dating back pre-Northern Ireland, the rules are that you have to get permission from the landowner, so hikers is very much indebted to the landowners um, and, and access to the, to the mountains. So, so yeah. So is it- if we're, if we're sitting here looking out the window, where our path goes up and joins the mountain there, the wall, between that wall and the, like the top of the mountain, yeah. which is the Morn Wall, it goes around the top of the mountain, that area is owned by the landowners. Yes. Um, and, and within the Morn Wall, it's owned by the, the water board. Waterworks, yeah. Or the water board. Yeah. yeah. NI Water, I think it is. 
Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's a it's a kind of cooperative, isn't it? It's a share. Yeah, it's like a share. Yeah, yeah there's different f- a number of farmers. Dad is one of them. Yeah. Um, has like a share on the the land. Yeah. So they would. Uh, so they they mainly they would put sheep or you know mainly sheep out on the mountain during like the summertime um, to graze on the mountain, and then they bring them in for the winter time. One of my pet hates when I'm out hiking is people letting walking dogs loose yes. on the mountains. Yes. Uh, I come from a bit of a farming background myself, so I kind of know that the dangers of, of dogs, even even a friendly house yeah. dog. Is you don't know, like, if it's a house dog, like, you don't know what the sheep way that dog, yeah, but you don't know what way that dog's going to react to. Uh, a sheep, maybe it hasn't seen sheep before. And, and, and the sheep doesn't know it's friendly yeah. either. So yeah. especially lambing season, which is generally yeah late January till end of April, May, yeah. any time in there, um, they can be, worrying sheep is a, is a, is a yeah. massive problem for the farmer. Yeah. And people just have their dogs loose. They think it's like a park, like Caswellan Park or Tollymore Park, where the dog is free to roam there, but yeah. on the open hillside it's, it's not. And they need to be under control at all times. And actually in, in in Wicklow Mountains now, they've, they've they'll issue an on-the-spot fine for not having oh, really? the, yeah not having the dog under control, which yeah. is on the lead. I I know when I walk with my dog, I usually tie my I have one of those retractable oh, yes. uh, leads and I tie it to my to my rucksack, <laughs> oh, okay. and he just goes and comes. Yeah, to, yeah. But yeah, it, but even even during lambing season, I'm very conscious of even bringing him onto the mountain. I I usually don't. Yeah. Um, because for, for, cause I know that even him being there is a worry to the sheep. So. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Did you grow up? I grew, yeah. I, um, I grew up, so I lived, my parents, John and Desmond, who started the, the whole business, they just live up the road, um, literally half a mile up the road. Um, how we actually came to open this, the dad had the land, so the, the, original, the original farmhouse was there in the yard. Um, and Dad had the land rented from the farmer who owned the house, so he used the farmland for his, you know, extra farmland for his, uh, for the farm. And then whenever the man in the house he died, and then Dad got like first refusal, and so he bought the the whole Birch. property then. Um, so yeah, so I, I've grown up by since Mum, before me and Moore Lodge started, and Mum was letting out the the big house as just as, as a holiday house to families. So I was down, you know, helping my mum, you know, change sheets and change cleaning the house and that. Um, like since I was small. And then when, I suppose I was about six, 15, 16, whenever um, the Meadowmore Lodge started. And so I was here working um, at that. And then I went uh, until uni. Then I went to uni, I actually went over to England to uni so I was like away for four years but home at the summertime so still working here during the summer um, so I went to uni to study pharmacy and then I came home after that and uh, got a, pharma- a pharmacy job in a ph- uh, as a pharmacist so I actually work, work now full time as a pharmacist but run this place at the same time as well. Okay. Yeah. So I work full time as a pharmacist, but mum and dad are here like all the time doing the day to day running of the thing. 
So I'm more like in the background making sure everything else is going all smoothly and all that there stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a lot. And then baking as well. Between me and my mum, we bake all the buns and um, cakes and stuff for the, the bistro. So, uh, yeah, never a dull moment. It's always, always busy. Always a go. And yeah. um, unlike other tourist areas, the Morns is always is busy year-round, isn't it? It's not necessarily yeah. a summer season. It's year-round. No, round. it's busy all year-round. So we would be open weekends, Saturday and Sundays, yes. all year round. Um, during the week, not so much. It would be busy, it's now, now during the week is busy, yeah. but def- at Saturdays and Sundays it stays busy all year round, yeah. yeah. As were you affected much during the pandemic, during the lockdowns? or We were, so the first lockdown, uh, everything lockdown, weren't, um, so we had actually had a barricade up along the entrance. Um, weren't allowed to open the toilets or car park or nothing. Okay. Um, so everything had to stop for that first lockdown. Then we were allowed to open up for the summer, and then uh, then when the second lockdown started, I think about October time, then the sit-in of the bistro it stopped. We weren't allowed to do that. So we uh, were just t- doing takeaways. Okay. So there's, there's still people about. A lot of people, there's a, a, we found from the first lockdown and then f- from last summer when we started to open up again, a lot of people, new people, have started mountain walking and coming to the countryside and walking like people have never done it before. Yeah. Uh, so we do find there's more people about. So this year, when we weren't able to have the sit-in in the bistro, we had uh, offered a takeaway menu. So uh, just even for hot drinks and a bun or something. Yeah. Uh, and then whenever it got a wee bit busier, then we started the hot food. So like hot, like bre- cooked breakfasts and chips and that, they could sit out and pick their tables and eat away at that. Yeah. So definitely we were, we were affected a lot by the lockdown. Yeah. Um, so the accommodation of that, it was all, couldn't do anything at all. No. Um, that's only just open in the last couple of weeks, and yes. we're now mid mid late June. Yes, end of May we were allowed yes. to open up. So it's not even yeah. a month yet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a long year, isn't it? It's been tough. Is. Yeah. It's, it's trying at times, like, and it was because yeah. re- there was a there was because I I live locally too here. There was a good three month period last year where in twenty in twenty twenty when yeah. The mountains were shut, you know, yeah. basically. So yeah. people couldn't travel more than whatever distance at that time it was, five or ten miles yeah. from their home. So, But it wasn't so... From this year, from Christmas this year, um, people were still allowed to go out and exercise yes. and travel. So we did. We were, we were getting people coming and we kept our toilets open. They were allowed to come and park and use the toilets and that. That, that's good because that that was a major issue because a lot of the public yeah. toilets were closed yeah. and people were were travelling and coming and yeah. um, they they had nowhere to to go basically yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and as even as now I start to drive around a bit more and and visit more places I noticed that even a lot of service stations have a lot a lot of them haven't opened their toilets again as yet yeah. which yeah. is a problem on the road, like, but um, yeah. 
so things like well, obviously you're quite rural based here so it's hit and miss sometimes when with people coming and going and or is, yeah. is there a constant kind of because you've quite a good location here is, is there a constant flow there would be, yeah there would be definitely on Saturdays and Sundays yeah there's yes and more now during the week there would be um, no I think as more people get to know about the place yeah then people are now being encouraged to come up from the chassis car park to come and park because during the lockdown there was a lot of numbers coming the police were you know they were parking along the side of the road obstructing tractors, the tractors and, and that yeah. so the police actually were out putting issuing fines like on the spot fines for cars so, so the police would be about now encouraging cars to come up and park here yeah. so more people are getting to know about the place um, and then it's, it's getting busier from that and then use I know you collaborate with some of the local guys like uh, more, than shut, more than shuttle service they, yes they, people come park here and uh, they shuttle you to another right. part of the mountains yeah. and then yeah. they walk back and yeah. Have their coffee here in, uh-huh. in the evening. Yeah. A lot of the um, mountain walking groups would yeah. use here as a base. So they would have like their schedule done out for the year of where they're gonna where their walks are starting from and that. So that they would have here like as a starting point. I guess having a car park is as many spaces as you can park cars here is yeah. rare in yeah. in rem- uh, locations this remote yeah we actually this year we actually extended our car we had to build an, an extra hardcore car park okay in the field behind that was is the campsite so we sacrificed a bit of the campsite to um, parking. take more room for park parking wow that's, yeah it's pretty good yeah it's pretty good. i was here on the last bank holiday it was a sunday uh you had a charity event starting starting and finishing here with yes. uh, with James Rafferty, who we met earlier, um, and uh, he, I was part of the shuttle crew. We were taking people oh, across the bloody bridge. So right, yeah, okay. Uh, the car park. It was, it was busy that weekend. That yes, <laughs> yeah. it was. <laughs> I became a kind of de facto marshal at the gate, <laughs> directing people. And I think that was maybe the first weekend since everything opened up. Yeah, and everyone just wanted to get out and go somewhere. And this was quite early. Didn't we? we we were here yeah. quarter to eight, and we were gone out of here by nine thirty, quarter to ten. So yeah. We, and yeah, it was, but yeah. As cars come, and they start coming to park from about six o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah, yeah the photographers and all they they go up. Yeah, early. yeah. A lot of the like the like the experienced mountain walkers we found during lockdown a lot of them were coming early to get up and down early so that they're so that they're up and down and away for the whole crowd of other people come yeah yeah but um i yeah, I, I, I avoid the mornings on the weekends yeah because i live locally and because i can be flexible and when i can go yeah. walking uh, i will go midweek at random times oh, okay. and even then it can be quite busy at times in yeah. some places um yeah, well, I, I do. I try to avoid because because I ha- because I can. I avoid the weekends, yeah. but yeah, you do know it's a lot. People get earlier and earlier yeah. at their starts, and but then you get people coming up after their work. You know, they do the day's work and then they come up and they're only starting to go for a walk at about six, five or six o'clock. Okay. Yeah. 
like for like an evening walk. Yeah, because yeah. even from here up to the top of Hare's Gap is is a good hour. It's a good yeah. hour anyway. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's only one way. I know. Yeah, yeah. So oh, they're definitely keen. Well, I suppose this time you're you're bright till like eleven o'clock anyway. Yeah. It never really gets dark in the summer months here. Yeah. So, and then I suppose you. Your place here is a good access for the mountain rescue onto the onto the mountain as well. Yes. And a good base for them and to it's use. It's a good base for them to use, yeah. Because with the more novice walkers, which is good to see into the mountains, there has been a rise in, in accidents and yeah. call-outs for the mountain rescues. Yeah. Some people um, aren't equipped and they don't realise that when they get up there, like the weather can change, yes. you know, quite with quickly. 20 minutes, it yeah. can be a different day. Yeah, uh-huh. And even in within the mountains, and they have their own kind of environment, and yeah. So yeah. yeah. Sorry, have you seen many people? Like, have you had more like uh, rescue coming up here? Do they come through here to get to get to? The they would. Sometimes they would do. They can go up the chassis track, and they can um, if someone if someone on this side of the mountain was injured and they had to bring someone down yeah. and they would come down our lane rather than go down the chassis track because the chassis track was more rougher but it's a lot longer and a lot of the time yeah there would be they would have an, they'd have an ambulance here waiting for someone um, while they bring them up the mountain so they bring them down they bring them down our way because it's quicker quicker access to the road and then get them onto a uh, into an ambulance and then away. I, you see more of that. You would, ha- yeah, a wee bit more. Yes, you would have. Because yeah. once, once you go past the wall there, you, you can't turn right. You know, the trassy path there is a good access because there's a road right through up up to near enough to the, the hairs gap and up. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you can't turn right. So that if you're on the right side of the main moor, which is directly in front of us, they, you, you they, they can't have regular access there, so your line probably would be a quicker access yeah. for that point. Yeah. yeah. It all kind of works together. It does, yeah. Yeah. But that, that's part of rural life, isn't it? Like, you, you work with your neighbour in rural life, don't oh, you? Oh, definitely. Cause, cause yeah. You can be on your own quite oh, isolated yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, so. yeah. No, you have to work. have to work together. I was going to ask, so did you grow up on the sheep farm helping out with sheep farming? Yes. And what was that like? Oh, I liked it, yeah. yeah. Well, I tried to do as less as I could. Because <laughs> I remember trying, oh, I have homework to do, or I'll always have an excuse. Um, but no, I, I helped out when I was needed. I helped out and I enjoyed it, yeah. Uh, and uh, then, then I, moved, I went to uni, then I moved away. I live in, in Newcastle now. Um, but no, yeah, well, there was four of us um, in the family. There was me and an older sister, uh, a younger brother, and then another younger sister, and we all grew up there. And you, know, you, you help out in the farm like when you need it. So um, my older sister, she actually she had more interest in the farm. She actually has she helps dad now run the farm. So uh, she had a, a more of an interest than I did. But uh, no, it's, it's a great way of life when you're you're, you're young. Growing up on a farm, it's just... You have, yeah. to, you have to like early mornings. Yeah. You have to. To be any kind of a farmer, you have to like early mornings. <laughs> and late evenings. Yeah. And, and just, 
Uh, uh, sorry, as so you were saying there, that uh, like the neighbours have to help each other out. So we lived up there, there was four of us, and then another uh, house just down the road from where we live, there was four girls in, in that family. And they're all, we were all about the same age, uh, and we went to the same school. So instead of like two cars going down the road every morning, there's one car, we went together. Yeah. All loaded in. All loaded in. <laughs> um, and uh, then like one car, someone would go down, and, you know, lift us from school and bring us home. So uh, it was either my mum or the other yeah. mum. I always, me- I always remember uh, when in Haytown, and one guy would have the, the mower, one guy would have the turner, one guy would have the yes. baler, and they would just go around yeah, and all yeah. to each other's land, and yeah. we, and everyone came together to take him in yeah. at the same time. So yeah. it was just the way it just the way it worked. Yeah. And he, nobody ever taught nobody. There was never any money around them. Never exchanged hands. Mm-hmm. Um, did I ever remember or seen like? But there would always have been a big party at the end, and yeah. it was your turn. You kind of put on the food, and you know that kind of thing, and uh, mm-hmm. or you know, it was always got like a big festival kind of atmosphere at the end of hay season. Yeah, I don't. Like, I'm sure money probably did change hands, but I don't ever remember seeing it. It was never a big. It it, no, yeah. it wasn't the focus of it. It was working together, and um, yeah. You brought your turner, and I brought my mower. And you brought the trailer that Sandra brought the trailer that we all loaded the stuff onto and brought yeah. it in. You know, that's, yeah. it's changed now. I think uh, farming has changed now. You see the contractors come in now. Yeah, yeah. The the price of machinery is yeah. yeah um, my uncle manages my grandfather's farm now, and he right. he, he he told me that like it's it's cheaper to get. A contractor guy in and him have machine yeah. the machinery sat yeah. there ready to go. Yeah. So yeah, it's the only it's the only way they can do it. Yeah, uh, it's like say for like hay time or something, you'd only be using that equipment one time yeah. in a year, and it'll be sitting there. That's it. You know, that's, that's why he says a, yeah. a lot of a lot of money sitting there, didn't yeah. 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 Um, so like, growing up here. Yes. In this area. Yes. You know. What what is it? You've you've obviously not left it behind. You're still here one day a week. What oh yes, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what does it what does it mean? Does it obviously means a lot to you. Yeah. You obviously love it. Do you yeah. Love oh yeah. If um, see that that view is my home, right? That that is home. Yeah. So you can go away um, on holidays anywhere else, like in the world, or and go and see like, these nice places. But you can't get that anywhere else. And to me, that view. Is it's better than you know going far and all these see all these other places, but that's home. It's just it's just a connection. It's like it's special. Yeah. It is. That's so that was your playground basically. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter where I go, you know, it's um, if well, I just moved down to Newcastle, like I'm not that far away, but if I was moving anywhere else. Like I can always call this my home. This is this where I grew up. So this is not many people can say that they have that, you know, as their playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not until you you grow up and move like whenever until whenever I moved away to England for uni, 
you're away from home and then you're kind of like stuck in the centre of a city for like a whole year and you don't appreciate what you have at home yeah. until you come back again. Yeah. Right. Especially those English cities, they build houses and what houses yeah. are like, the streets and then, like, are... You don't see, um, I used to love coming home and then my dad would collect me from the airport and then the closer you're getting from the airport closer to home and you start seeing the grass verges on the side of the road and you don't see that when you're stuck at, at uni in the middle of the centre and you're just going back and forth to uni all the time you don't see any green fields or anything so you knew you were getting closer to home yeah yeah, yeah. the walls the stone walls yeah starting to see the yellow wind you call a wind here yes windbush, windbush yes that's yes. a real northern thing yeah no. yeah we well, call it the course, or you know, some people call it the Maybush, but yeah, the wind. The wind, yeah, yeah. we call it windbush, yeah. So. It's always a striking yellow at this time of year. Always when you have international visitors come, because it must be only native to these islands, because, you know, they always ask what it is. Like, it's, it's striking this time yeah. of year with the yellow. Whenever we were young, at Easter time, we'd have boiled eggs, just ordinary eggs boiled them in water, but went out to feed and collect the, the yellow petals off the windbush, put that in to the saucepan, and it turns the eggshell yellow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we used to do, yeah. You put that in with the, your egg <laughs> and boiled water. Dye. Yeah, turns the egg yellow. And then you might paint it or decorate it or something, and then you go and roll it down the field. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, you get, you get your fingers pricked, it's quite thorny. Picking the, <laughs> picking the yellow bits off. Well, um, Sandra, do you have any plans for, for the, any future plans for expanding here? Um, not immediately at the minute. We have just got the, the, the extra car park um, that we've put in at the back to accommodate the extra cars and just the amount of people that are coming every weekend just to get them all parked in off the road. Um, we did the, the wee cottage, we did that up during the, the lockdown, we did that when we furbished it all, but, um, did that up at the minute. Um, there's lots of things you can do, but at the minute there's no plans for anything extra just at the minute. Just keep it, keep yeah. it as it is for now. But, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you feel that the, the mountains here are reaching kind of peak capacity in terms of numbers that can go? Hiking, or do you think there's still a, yeah. a, still bit of, a wee bit of room for growth? Or um, it's a it's like a it's a balance. Um, definitely, since lockdown opened, there's been a lot a lot more yeah. on the, the the mountains, so that there probably would be more like erosion of paths and stuff. Yeah, um, it's not so bad on this side of the mountains. If you go towards Down in the middle, it, yeah. it's quite a lot of erosion around it. Yeah. And yeah, this side's not too bad. The roads have been here since they built the wall, so you know, yeah. for they were put in for a lot. For the, well, there would have been tracks there anyway, but the roads they were more developed for the, when they were building the wall, the Morn Wall. Yeah. So, but other than that, there's not too much on this side of the mountains. It's not too bad, but. As you go in more into into the middle morns, into where the ground would have been traditionally more boggier, you see a lot of erosion there. Yeah. And of course, over in Cape Donard, yeah. it's, it's a motorway up and down. Oh, okay. 
but yeah, uh, like it's a it's a big area, and like there's lots of space for people to disperse. To disperse yeah. on it, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, that's, the that's the beauty of where you, where you are here. It's about you could do you could walk for about twenty days and do twenty different walks. From here. Yes. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. But uh, um, when you were saying about the future, so a lot of these new people have come, like since lockdown, come and started to go hill walking because there's really nothing else they could do. Like yeah. gyms and all yeah. the clothes. Um, so we hope that that's going to start a new trend that like people are going to, uh, you know, maintain coming to the mountain and that will keep the visitor numbers up. Do you, you find a big issue? I know a big issue in the mountains is, is the rubbish. People yeah. don't realise that there's not people going behind them cleaning up like it is in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we would always practice with our groups, leave no trace. So, yes. But I've noticed a lot of late that there's a lot of rubbish on the mountains. Yeah. Do you find that same around here, that people want to park here or leave them? They're quite good, like putting rubbish into the bins. But yeah. Um, campers are quite they would leave a lot of rubbish behind um, but walkers not so much but there is more in Heritage Trust have actually left a, a wee stand out at the front of litter pickers Okay. so you can take your litter, pick, take your litter picker up the mountain with you oh, I've heard and of collect, that. Yeah. Collect, them, collect the rubbish oh, take your litter picker in a bag up the mountain on your walk or there's another initiative if you go hiking to take one piece of litter that you find on the mountain home with you yeah. that wasn't yours so just yeah so, so they bring the rubbish back here and we'll dispose of it in the bins but that's very people good. do like like that um even kids like kids would do it just for like a no- novelty thing um but it's all helping yeah take the rubbish off. as we're just sitting here in the Harris gap bistro and i'm just looking around all the, the posters you have on the wall you can see really see how things have grown um yes kind of it's kind of like a little diary you have around the walls it is there's a farm week there's a uh reporter from the farm week that's a report on us years ago when it first opened yeah and um has he just come back from time to time yeah and uh then he came back well, a few years back, but two or three years ago, we did like a whole update on how the whole thing has grown, and then he was back again to do how we coped through the lockdown. Um, and yeah, so we've got the, the pictures framed and put up on the wall, so you can see like the journey of how the business has grown, yeah. and you know how. That's a nice. That's a nice changed. touch. And the, the the pictures then of the landscape pictures, they're they're a local photographer. Yes, there's a man, uh, Brian McCready. He walks the mountains and um, he takes all these pictures. So they're all local, all of the moons. So they are. Yeah. Some, I'm looking at some fantastic pictures. <laughs> Sheep and deer. More mountains are very picturesque. Yes. Very picture friendly. We were over with James Rafferty from Geology Rocks on we Binion doing some rock climbing over there and it was just so picturesque that day. It was just it was yeah. the middle of it was the middle of March. It was okay. about twenty degrees. Right. There wasn't a breath of wind yeah. anywhere. It was just we were yeah. just sit there going. It's, 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 ma- it's magical when you get you get the right dweller in the yeah. right yeah. And sometimes a different weather can make a walk a diff a different yes. 
a different walk, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, none of us like to drive in the rain <laughs> or really strong winds, which you can get here, especially on, I suppose we're on the western side of the morning, so you can get a lot, because, you know, our prevailing wind yeah. is a southwesterly, so you can get a lot of quite strong winds on this side. Thank you, Sandra, for uh, giving us the story of the Millmore Lodge and how, how it's grown over the 20 years now. 20, 20 years, years, yeah. 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 Um, for joining us on the Tour Ireland Outdoor podcast. Um, well, thanks for asking me. We're, yeah. We're going to, we're hoping that people will, anyone listening that gets the opportunity comes here to, to visit and use your facilities here and the fantastic gateway it is to the Mourn Mountains. Yes. And uh, come and have a coffee and enjoy and read the posters around the wall and see your growth and how things have developed. And, Take it all in. Yeah. You have to come and see for yourself. You can't. You can't. Um, you can describe it the best you can, but you have to come and see it with your own it eyes. Is, it is a see and experience. Yeah. Experience place. All right. Yeah. No. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Thank. No. Thank you. Folks, thanks very much for joining us for this week's episode of Tour Ireland Outdoors podcast. Um, and a big thank you again to Sandra and the Patterson family up at Mealmore Lodge. Um, we really appreciate their time. And uh, yes, all of the links are there in the bio. Uh, check out Mealmore Lodge website. Really, really brilliant. Uh, nicely laid out and just there's a great um, things to do link on there that has a list with links all attached to loads of brilliant like local restaurants and activities. Um, that's a great list actually there. Um, it has information about the campsite, Hare's Gap Bistro and how to book and the different types of accommodation. Um, so Mealmore Lodge, um, a hillwalker's paradise in the heart of the Moors. Thank you very much. And um, all the links for Tour Ireland Outdoors, Facebook, Instagram, and websites as ever in the description or in the bio please um share this podcast with a friend family member um who might be interested and get in touch let us know what you think uh, or if there's anyone that you'd like to hear on the podcast then do let us know in the meantime stay safe and take care and we'll see you again soon bye bye